welcome to Define the Relationship podcast, a podcast where we explore the relationship we have with the Bible and ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, Darlene Enstick. And I'm the other host, Ted Enstick. And as you can tell from our names, we belong together. I just defined the relationship. Welcome back to Define the Relationship podcast. Good morning, Ted. Hi. It <laughs> seems like it's been a while since we've done this, and it's because we have done this. We haven't done it in a while. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. So we completed our our book review of Pete Enns' book, How the Bible Actually Works, um, going chapter by chapter. And just a couple of things before I talk about where we're going next. Um, to end off, we have two guest speakers that are going to be joining us. The first one will be next week with a guy by the name of Jason Biassi. He wrote a book called Surprised by Jesus. And uh, we, I've been studying that book in one of my classes and actually had the opportunity to meet with him in a Zoom context with my whole class and had a really riveting conversation. There was a bunch of times when reading Jason's book that I felt like there was synergy between him and Pete's book. And so when we initially couldn't get a hold of Pete or he wasn't replying to us, uh, we thought we would check out Jason and see if he would be available. And he graciously agreed to join us. And then uh, in the meantime, Pete also agreed to join us because Ted put on quite a bit of um, sarcastic pressure. I tried to lay it on as thick as possible yeah, in hopes of getting Pete Enns' attention. And, and it worked. It worked. And he responded equally sarcastically, which meant that we hit the target. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so it's looking like um, we will be able to do something with Pete late November, probably after, um, he said after Thanksgiving, which in this case is American Thanksgiving. So, um, so we'll, yeah, we'll look forward to, to doing that. And um, so that's put us, that's put us in a place now where we had to, kind of regroup and say, we called this podcast to find the relationship and we've finished this book. Um, but we want to move it, shift it a little bit more into some different areas, but maintain, uh, this podcast about defining the relationship because really there's so, <clears throat> excuse me, so many areas in which we can talk about, well, how do we how do we work with this relationship? And uh, so for today, we are going to talk a little bit about um, Jesus and, and probably for the next few times, we want to talk about our relationship to Jesus. And um, in our Sunday morning worship times, we have four words that we're using to help us think about what is real about Jesus. Um with our mission at Seeds being to make Jesus real, kind of digging into <clears throat> some aspects of of how Jesus m may be real to us or how we can imagine um, um, Jesus being alive, I guess, mm. or, or having life. 
Um, yeah. So yeah. So the first one, which you already started us on last Sunday, was revolutionary. Jesus as revolutionary. Yeah. And um, you really brought two, I think, perspectives that morning about um, revolution being about shifting perspectives, like sh- shift. You know, when when a revolution takes place, there's a shift from one thing to like flipping something into a new, um, in, in a new way. And the second one was, um, you talked about how the earth revolves around the sun in one year period, we have one revolution. So this sense of us full circle of, um, almost coming back to our returning, so there's like a change and then there's a returning mm-hmm. and we thought maybe we'd, you know, spend a bit more time talking about this idea of revolution, um, and taking not only Jesus, but also the time that we're living in right now, which feels like, I don't know, like very, very much feels like a time in which our world I don't know. We don't know what's up and what's down and, and what's going to happen and what kind of revolution is, are we on the precipice of, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So would you want to, you can either, do you want to say a bit more about, did I, did I summarize that well or you want to correct me? No, I think it's good. I, as, as you were summarizing, um, I was thinking about how we could tie this in with where we've been over the fall and the summer when we've been talking about the uh, define the relationship into to the Bible. Um, I think in this conversation about what is real about Jesus that we're trying to get in on is, I mean, it kind of is an opportunity for us to put on our our reimagining hats and our. Um, coming to to Bible to the Bible scriptures with a sense of okay what's the wisdom work that we need to do in our time how do we how do we make it relevant and uh, impacting to us in our in our day and and as N sort of um, led us into in his book is that this is really the main main reason why we need to have this conversation um, about the Bible is we need to talk about how we define God and our relationship to God for ourselves right now. And, uh, and so in that way, I feel like um, we're being asked to put on some of the, use some of those tools that we've learned, some of those skills, and try to think about how we can interact with Jesus specifically. And I think that um, when we look at Jesus in the Gospels, we see a Jesus who is both doing something completely different um, than what came before. Jesus is somebody who is very familiar with what's known as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus followed the Torah, learned all about the various aspects of, uh, of Jewish faith, and was a teacher, a rabbi in that tradition. And so... Um, and so we see in Jesus these two aspects, the one where Jesus is doing something radically different than what was before, 
Jesus coming on the scene is a, a different movement of God. And at the same time, you can see how Jesus is sort of um, closing the circle on the faith of the tradition and kind of coming back to things and saying, um, you know, we need to get back to what was at the heart of, of the law, the Torah, and what was at the heart of God working with the people of Israel. And um, so I think we see those two aspects in Jesus. And um, um, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking that the one, the more shocking, shocking, radical Jesus is the one that sort of kind of impacts us maybe more. But I think also that uh, that other piece is important too, that Jesus is bringing us back to something. Jesus isn't doing something completely different than the tradition. He's actually um, reinvigorating that tradition. Yeah. So let me begin just by asking you a question about um, the word revolution or maybe revolutionary. If you think about a revolutionary outside of Jesus, um, what are some of the either characteristics or faces that come to your mind? What's a, like, what does that word mean to you? Like what's a, what are the characteristics of a revolutionary? Yeah. So I, I mean, instinctively, I, I think, I think of the picture of Che Guevara, which you might see on people's t-shirts or on posters, um, representing some of the political revolutions that have taken place in this century where people have risen up in countries against the ruling authorities, the politics of the day that, that have been oppressive to people. And sort of like revolution is when the bottom, people who are on the bottom rise up and take over, try to take over. Um, and there's a bit of a kind of inversion where the bottom becomes the top and those on the top are, uh, are laid low. And uh, often I think when I think about revolution, it's often thought about as being something where violence is a part of, a part of it. So people taking up arms and uh, fighting um, revolutionary wars, you know, these are some of the things that I think come to us, first of all. And, and probably in our, in our, in today's kind of context, there's kind of a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, conflict between the left on the political spectrum and the right. And, um, often the left of the political spectrum kind of resonates with the idea of there being revolution where things radically get shifted. And, um, and then in turn, really, you think that's more left, like, yeah, like, yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think that often the more right on the spectrum is trying to go back to something. He's trying to retain something. They don't want to lose something. And then the left is more like we need to change something, you know, um, kind of right now I have the song, the Beatles song. You say you want a revolution kind of going in the back of my head. Um, Oh, I think of Hamilton. You say you want a revolution. I want a revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, which is interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, um, thinking about revolutions 
is something that's in our thinking on a day-to-day basis. And there's maybe sometimes there's a tension between, well, you don't want to move too fast. You want to make incremental change. You don't want to blow things up. And then there's a group of people saying, you know, this is not serving us. We're not changing fast enough. Something's got to change, and we need to change it now. Um, so these forces are not alien to us in our time. I think you, you feel the push and pull of... Um, yeah, people that feel good about the way things are and others who feel like it's time for a change. And the idea of turning something upside down, I agree with you that when I think of revolutions or um, revolutionary figures, I think of anger. Hmm, yeah. I think of um, violence. And so, again, when we look at we look at the person of Jesus, one of the ways in which he's revolutionary is in nonviolence. Overturning without violence, which I think is, is so incredibly radical because most kind of the human instinct is that there's no way to, to, return something or change something unless it's by force of Mm -hmm. will or, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a bit of a, a paradox or a tension in Jesus. I think that on one hand you see Jesus, um, describing what he refers to as a kingdom, but describing, uh, a vision of a world that looks a certain way and part of that is uh you know everybody is being treated fairly there's justice um the weak are strengthened the strong are are weakened um there's a like a leveling taking Mm -hmm. place um there's a one when you look objectively at the world that jesus is describing it's I think in many ways a revolutionary sort of place that Jesus is describing. It's much different than the world that we live in. And then at the same time, uh, Jesus leads his followers into that kingdom in a way that is actually not the way we expect change to come about. Um, It's interesting, like as I was preparing to teach on this, I was thinking about all these um, these moments in the life of Jesus where Jesus sort of br- broke from the tradition that he was a part of and and went in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it was that he was a rule breaker. Like he mm-hmm. he he recognized that he was breaking rules, and, and in many cases they were actually at the heart of the law. For example. He healed on the Sabbath. He encouraged his disciples to, to harvest some food on the Sabbath, things that were breaking the rules, and he was doing it in such a way that people noticed that the rules were broken and people called him out on it. And, and, it, it, and he kind of, in those kind of moments, he said, well, you know, you're completely missing the reason for why the rules are there. The rules have a spirit to them, and I'm in the spirit of it. I'm not... I'm not a rule breaker in that I don't care. I'm a, I'm I'm an anarchist. Um, Jesus is saying there's there's something higher that needs to be drawn on in these situations. 
it kind of bothered me that on Sunday you you used uh, an example of um, you know people a current day example of people like walking into a store and knocking things over because they were going to refuse to wear masks and you know these videos of that sounds like yeah we're gonna topple topple this we're not gonna do what the government asks us to do and I it bothered me a bit that you were using that as a parallel to uh Jesus Jesus overturning the tables because you know this is where I think um you know to be honest we get I feel like we get all befuddled (laughs) I get all befuddled because in in my opinion that is not a good description of of um, Jesus overturning the tables but other people may think that's an absolutely perfect example yeah so I mean I understand why that would have kind of come across in a dissonant sort of way I I think what I was did you do that intentionally well I was trying to communicate like what what is the energy what is the energy of somebody coming into a temple a place of religious worship um i mean granted we don't know that much about what the energy of that place was like at that time we we're only reading a story but you know we come to that thinking like a place of worship has a certain energy to it and if someone were to come in on a Sunday morning and in our, let's say, coming into our super socially sensitive worship service where we have made masks mandatory for people to wear, if somebody were to kind of tr- pounce in during the service and knock over tables and say, these guidelines are, you know, this is, this is not acceptable and we're a bunch of lemmings following these rules and like, can't we use our brains and kind of making a big statement like there's an energy there of like I called it an obnoxious energy an energy of just sort of um, making a scene in -hmm. a situation and just on the very surface we would interact with that sort of like what's going on what's this person trying to do you know, and I, so I was kind of connecting the energy of Jesus walking into the temple on the week before Passover, the high holy days of the Jewish tradition, and making a statement about, yeah, I'm going to destroy this temple, and in three days, I'm going to bring it back to life, and uh, then goes on to overturn the money changers' tables and make a statement about how this is my father's house, this is a place of worship, and you have basically, um, you've distorted what this place is about. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was trying to make a moral equivalency between the um, between those two. Yeah, that yeah. that they that they were the same that they were doing the same thing. I just was saying that there was that, that's a good example of a revolutionary move. It's like um, um, as Rob Bell t- would say, it's like performance art. It's sort of like it's shocking the system. It's it's uh, it's like. Uh, Everybody was getting a shock on that day. And the reason why it's a shock is because sometimes it's the things that we hold dear, right? So when, I mean, for us, it's not a big deal. Oh, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Like, that doesn't mean anything to us. 
Sorry. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean anything to us really, but, but for a Jewish community that holds the Sabbath so sacredly, mm-hmm. that, that will have felt so obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I think, I mean, it's easy for us to take kind of the feeling, the, um, the emotion, the impact of it often in some of these stories, it gets lost on us because mm-hmm. we don't hold these things in the same regard or as, um, I think you were telling me this story this morning about somebody in, in your cell meeting the other night about how, you know, the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, it just, it's a one note thing. It's a, it's a story about a miracle. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I've grown up with the story. I've heard the story. This is what happens to the story. And it's like, it's flat. There's so many stories, I think, that feel so flat. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one way in which Jesus doesn't seem very real. Mm-hmm. Cause it's either like, well, yeah, here's the story. And this is, you know, like we, we almost feel more about, you know, if you're into Harry Potter or if you're into Lord of the Rings or like, if there's like this, there's stories that we get really wrapped, you know, Game of Thrones or like these Netflix shows, these dramas that like we get caught up in and they're not flat for us. Like we can't wait to watch them. And so, you know, and how come, how, how come, I mean, I know how come I guess, but that that's one of the problems or the challenges, um, that we have when we've kind of read these stories and we feel like we know them and we know what the moral of the story is. And we've kind of, they're sort of one note stories, but like, even when you were talking before about, you know, sometimes when you're talking, I can like feel the beauty of it, like Mm -hmm. the beauty of, uh, if I can step into the community, the Jewish community and see what Jesus, you know, would, would touch, uh, a woman, you know, when mm-hmm. she's not, when he wouldn't, wasn't supposed to do that. Or if he would, you know, step into something that was like, no, we hold this sacred. We don't do this on this day that like, I'd be like, like, Oh man, like it would be, I can feel it at times, but I have to say that like historically, it's just sort of like, okay, yeah, let's read this story. And in this story, this happens and this happens. And mm-hmm. it does that make Jesus feel alive and how, mm. how can we kind of, um, step into something that would have a bit more move from one dimensional to 40 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, this, I mean, I've got a, a couple of thoughts that come up about that. I mean, the first one, and just to keep tying it back to where we've been on this conversation about how the Bible actually works, it kind of, our conversation reinforces how important it is for us to come to the Bible in a way that allows us to get at this three-dimensional character of the people that it's talking about. Like... Um, 
there is a backstory there Mm -hmm. that's so important. There is a culture. There are smells and customs and ways of living and a political backdrop of these stories that, you know, as you start getting into it, you realize that, oh, it's just as real as the life that we're living right now where we're living with customs and smells and colors. And um, and so it feels like it sort of, um, what's the word? It kind of turns up the volume on how important it is for us to not abandon the Bible as being something that's irrelevant to us because it's diverse and ancient and um, ambiguous, but that actually it's, um, it's going to give some life to our faith as we engage it and, uh, and make the connection between it and our time. So I think that was the, the first thing that I was thinking about. And the second part is um, that we, I mean, may, part of this falls on, on the leaders of church communities, but I think it falls on everybody to, to really become curious about who Jesus is. and Yeah, not, not just, just was. Not just... Yeah, like this. There's this. Um, I, I'm 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 thinking it's coming out of the. Well, I mean, if you think about in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think that the church. There's been a traditional saying when speaking of Jesus. Jesus was, is, and is to come. There's this eternal. Um, wrapping up of who Jesus is that it's not just in the past but is actually a present reality and is our future um, that we should be really willing to engage well what's all going on here and um, when we think about Jesus as a revolutionary to me it feels like oh this is a place where Jesus becomes alive in some significant ways like um Jesus, the rule breaker, Jesus, the boundary crosser, Um, and that in the positive sense that where there were boundaries between races or boundaries between genders, Jesus would would cross the line that separated people and say, this this doesn't, this isn't real anymore, you know. Um, um, Jesus was like in a in an incredibly patriarchal that is a male dominated culture and society of 2000 years ago was incredibly um like a womanist you know a feminist in the sense that had space for women's perspective and um you know so really a quite progressive transformational revolutionary person and um and if we, and I, I was saying, and I said on Sunday, I think is so true. We often, we often connect church, Jesus, with things staying the way they've always been, and the church as being sort of not on the forefront of shifts in our society, but actually being an anchor on shifts, you know, and. Uh, when we look at this revolutionary Jesus, and if we say we're a church that follows Jesus, then we, if we are following Jesus, then we would probably find ourselves 
being revolutionaries in significant parts of our life too, that we would be about change. So if we're thinking about the big issues of our day, climate change, um, Jesus was a revolutionary, then Jesus' church should be revolutionizing how we think about those, about those issues. It should challenge, it should challenge us. Like there, there, I feel like there are things we get fired up about and, you know, we could be very on side with, with the revolutionary in climate change or in, um, race and gender issues. And we may kind of really easily want to join Jesus in certain revolutions, you know, but personally, like one of the, I think one of the greatest ways that Jesus was revolutionary is love of enemy. And that is challenging. Like it, um, I, I continue to want to cast people off that I think are ridiculous. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it feels like, um, there's permission like to join um, a revolution that sometimes feels like, yes. And then there should also be like, Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the point you're making is that Jesus is revolutionary, but it's often, um, qualitatively different than the way revolutions generally happen in our, in our world. And so, um, Jesus was not knocking statues down in his revolutionary ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus was in many cases quietly shifting the conversation in very personal, intimate interactions with people. Um, one of the things that's, kind of jumps out at you about Jesus is that often Jesus is doing something that's quite revolutionary. And then his message to the people is like, well, don't talk about it. Don't tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, some people have, have, uh, kind of noticed that if Jesus would have overturned the tables of the, of the temple early in his ministry, he, his ministry would have been a lot shorter. And uh, so some of these public things that Jesus did to emphasize the shift from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God, I mean, it was within days that he did that, that the religious establishment was out to get him, and the political establishment um, basically came alongside the religious groups to say, yeah, we need to deal with him, and he was crucified. So... Um, we also see that there were people in his close group of disciples that were, um, I mean, one of the disciples was, was known as a zealot, which was at the time would have been a revolutionary group of Jews who were trying to overthrow the Roman empire. Um, so he had people with that instinct in his group and, um, Judas who ended up betraying him to the religious leaders was also, mm-hmm kind of seen as somebody who probably thought like, well, you know, 
when you, when you bring in your kingdom that you keep talking about, um, you know, this is going to be an overthrowing of the kingdom in, in a worldly way. And even the disciples, like all of them, they were arguing about, hey, when this new kingdom happens, when the revolution is solidified, well, who are the cabinet people going to be? You know, am I going right. to be on your right side? And who's, who's going to be greatest in your kingdom? Yeah, and you can so tell they're, all... they're, they're thinking like, you know, he's yep. going to kick some ass. and He's going to like yeah. overturn overturn the entire system and he does he is overturning the entire system Mm -hmm. but his um his movement is towards always to it's for something it's Mm -hmm. towards something so you know he didn't like when he healed the person on the sabbath he didn't like um like talk about overturning the sabbath he he just moved towards a person with love Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. saw saw something that wasn't whole and yeah. moved towards that. Yeah, and and then in and at the same time making this radical break with the tradition, he was at the same time saying, "Actually, I'm bringing it right back to the reason for the tradition right. that the Sabbath was created for people." not people for the Sabbath. And so he said the Sabbath is about healing and wholeness, and mm-hmm. I'm just doing what the Sabbath is about. And so um, there's that returning aspect of The his, revolution yeah, as yeah. in kind of coming back. Yeah, and and it's, it's interesting, too, that, I mean, probably the most revolutionary thing that happens with Jesus is that he gets branded as a revolutionary and gets killed just like a revolutionary would he gets crucified humiliated and um never takes up arms never protects himself never does any things that you'd think that a revolutionary army would do and then in the end the story is is that he subverts even the power of death and he rises and he he basically he thwarts all those powers that are set against him and his power triumphs. Like this is the, this is at the center of our belief in Jesus is that Jesus conquers death. And, um, so Ted, let me ask you where the, where the rubber hits the road for you in this. And that, I guess I'm asking in what ways is that alive for you is is jesus's revolutionary um personhood um how does that intersect with with you Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. well i think that i think where it starts for me is that if i'm gonna just reflect on you know day-to-day where i find myself as a human being i often find myself frustrated with the way things are, Um, where there's unfairness in the system that we live in, where people, because of their background, they find themselves always on the, on the low end of the scale. And Mm -hmm. in many ways, this is not, it's not their fault, but they've fallen through the cracks and, or, um, or I see people being devalued because of their gender, like that they, people think they don't have something to offer because, um, they're not the, you know, they're 
they're not the right gender for what we think should happen. And so when I see those things, um, I, I can connect to Jesus as if Jesus is, is the leader in my life and Jesus, Jesus is a savior and a healer in my life, then I can tap into, well, Jesus was, was pointing these things out that were not right and did something about them. He personally interacted in a way that was different than those around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was kind of at the personal level shifting things. Um, so it empowers me to shift things in my own personal interactions, how I deal with um, other people, how I relate to people who are the victims of injustice. So, so there's kind of that personal thing. And then it's also... It's a challenge. There's a challenge to say, okay, what are you going to do about? What are you going to do about this world that's not the way it's meant to be? It's not. It's not the peace shalom that Jesus is inviting us to. And so, it's a. It, it lights a fire under us to say, okay, we need to be about changing some things, shifting some things. And um, yeah, I think there's. Um, we, we have to do that with wisdom. Like mm-hmm. it's not sort of like, well, it's always this and it's never that it's, um, you know, sometimes the church has set itself up against society and said, well, we're, we're not of the society. So we have to set our, set ourselves apart and, and be completely different and not interact with the society. And I can see how that's a way of, being revolutionary it's to set yourself apart but at times we're i think we're called to engage our communities and our societies and get get involved and be um you know jesus tells us parable about being leaven like like you need to work your way into dough just like yeast does and um, it's very small but you can shift maybe the conversation or shift the 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 way things are moving and that can be done by being a part of your community not separating yourself so i think it it we need to engage it we can't just say well it's always this and never that yeah so yeah i think that's those are good examples and i i see how you've you know i see the faces behind the examples you're giving and um how how you've been enlivened by some of those situations and i think those are ways in which jesus can be made i've seen jesus be made real in you know in your life and i feel like that is um that's sort of the exciting invitation is to embodiment right is is not just to sort of look at this figure that lived thousands of years ago and do we even know if the feeding of the 5,000 happened it's like uh well um you know maybe it happened historically uh but either way there's a truth around you know if it's if it's real it's true if it might have happened but it's I think Roar talks about that so uh what are the ways that we can kind of be let those stories 
get into our bones and get into our heart and how can they influence how we live in the world. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the ways in which I think Jesus can be beautifully real today. Yeah. So. And at the, I mean, at the, and at the very least, like this is a very interesting person, Jesus, mm-hmm. that we're talking about. I mean, you, we you, believe you, he's you, more than an interesting person, but you, yeah, you're, no, but you're I mean, kind of saying... I'm just saying that, like, part, you were talking a bit before about how we get sort of drawn into stories and characters yeah. in in uh, the media that we consume. Um, and one of the ways that we get drawn into that is we get very, very interested and um, we identify with the characters. Mm-hmm. And we're and, trying to understand them and like, yeah, what's, like what's, what's their story? On? And yeah, where, what's where? going on? It's like, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, um, we're always asking that question. What's the story? And for some reason, when we engage Jesus and the gospels, the Bible stories and, and, and all that kind of stuff, we don't come at it with the same curiosity. curiosity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and part of it is that we don't have, you know, we don't have good, we don't have the visual media that that um, we're so used to in our time. But I mean, you you see this when you see art over the centuries that there's a conversation going on about who Jesus is in the art and what's being drawn on. And I think we just need to get better at um, engaging that. I. Like when if people are looking for a place t- to kind of engage that in a in a good way, I mean, I think one of the the better storytellers of Jesus is Rob Bell and his Robcast podcast. So give a shout out to that podcast. We're actually in our in in our cell group right now. We're we're going to be listening to his series eight eight episode series called Jesus H Christ, which is all about bringing color and backstory to Jesus and the stories that we read in the Bible. And um, he's, he's better than most Rob Bell at getting at that three-dimensional aspect of who Jesus is and how it can impact us. And so I'd encourage people, if you're, if you're interested, you should just Google that, um, Rob, the Rob cast, Jesus H. Christ, and allow that picture that he paints to to sink in you know mm-hmm. yeah. so good yeah so good <laughs> sorry that's just what what he usually says yeah um, listen to him for a while and you'll yeah you'll get that raise a glass <laughs> all right i think we've probably uh gone on long enough and um we'll pick up on another character uh, next podcast, I think we're on to what is it? I'm not sure. Sage? Yeah, it could be Sage. Okay. Reconciler, lover. Those are the four words we're gonna, you know. And I have to say that just picking four words to wrestle with seems. And maybe we'll end up seems picking more. Too few, but yeah. Got to start somewhere. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for joining us. And uh, always feel free to send us some feedback and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Good having you with us. Take care.